Tonight we get into one of the most controversial sections in the book of Revelation. Chapter 17, 18, and a portion of chapter 19. It has to do with Babylon. It is the largest section of the book of Revelation. Babylon, mystery Babylon, Babylon, the destruction of Babylon. That's the largest section of the book of Revelation is on this very topic. So we've got to assume it is important. We want to look at the topic of mystery Babylon, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and again, the destruction of Babylon. We are only going to cover six verses today as we look for somewhat of an introduction to it to be able to understand it. Now, the controversy is over the identity of the woman who rides the beast. And throughout history, the identity of that individual, the woman that rides the beast, has changed. There was a time in history where most Christians, most theologians believed in, uh, in that the uh, woman that rides the beast was Israel. Now, when you read the book of Israel, I mean the book of Israel, when you read, and there's no such book, when you read the book of Revelation, you see that the nation of Israel is taken by God and protected into the wilderness so that Babylon cannot be Israel. But it is amazing how over hundreds of years of church history, they believed it was the nation of Israel. This had its seeds in racism and anti-Semitism, that people hated the Jewish people. There's a lot of anti-Semitism that's happening today. And I'm beginning to see people make their quotes. People say the craziest things online, um, on, our, on our comment section, on our social media. They probably do with you too. But the things they say are like just as wacko as can be. And sometimes I answer them and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'd shake my head and, say, and I write thanks. And you know, when I, sometimes I'm saying thanks sincerely and sometimes I'm just like, thanks. I don't want to get into this because this is as far out there as it possibly can be. And um, that Israel is the woman that rides the beast. Um, over the last 200 years, the most popular suggestion for the woman who rides the beast is the Catholic Church. That, that, that is the harlot that rides the beast. Now think about this again. The, the church, the genuine church is taken out. I believe that the Catholic church has its foundations in real Christianity. And I believe there are those who are in the Catholic church who are genuine Christians, who they believe in the virgin birth. They believe in the resurrection. They believe in everything that they've got all the pieces in place. Now, there are a large number and I don't know what number it is, but there's a lot of Catholics in the world and there's a large number who are not Christians. They're trusting in religion. They're trusting in the fact that they were Catholic and they were born Catholic, kind of the way that I, my, my parents were Methodist. They were born Methodist. They thought they were saved, but didn't have a relationship with Christ. So that's true in the Catholic church. And a lot of times the doctrine of, of Catholicism has been in the past that you've got to keep the sacraments in order to genuinely be saved. That's a works-based religion, so that's problematic. That doesn't mean there's not genuine Catholics who are saved. So what happens before the destruction of Mystery Babylon? Only if you believe that the rapture is going to happen at the end of the tribulation period, which means you would go up to meet Jesus in the air and then come right back down to the earth. It's like a quick elevator ride. You kind of go up and then you kind of come down. And I kind of make fun of it a little bit, and I don't really mean to do that because it doesn't matter to me if you're post-tribulation. I, I respect you, all right? I just didn't seem like it right there, right? When I was, when I was saying that. Um, but we, the, the, the genuine Christians are no longer going to be in the Catholic church. They're going to be gone. 
they'll be taken up in the rapture. If it happens in the mid or halfway through or, you know, they'll be gone. So what's left is the apostate Catholic church or the apostate Protestant church. And so th th this has been some of the things that have been taking place over the last few years. Over the years, people have been very dogmatic about who this woman is. And here's the thing. It's called Mystery Babylon. And then you're like, All right, this is exactly who it is. And if you don't believe that, you're of the devil. Well, we might, we might get out of this two and a half, you know, two and a half chapter study, a few verses at a time, and not have a clear understanding of who Babylon is because it is a mystery. We're going to get a lot of clarity, but we might not know exactly who it is. The problem is it's hard to be dogmatic about a mystery. Let me give you some examples of who pastors and leaders have said is uh, Babylon. Rome, as in Rome, as in actual Rome, the Roman Empire, by Peter, and we'll see this before we get out of this section, is called Rome. I mean, it's called Babylon. Peter writes in code and he says, those from Babylon greet you. Peter is in Rome and he actually writes it as Babylon. Now, why would he do that? Because the city of Babylon was the greatest ancient city. Israel had been taken captive by them. Nebuchadnezzar was its leader, the first world ruler, Nebuchadnezzar. And Babylon was a place of, of unbridled sin. And Rome was a place of unbridled sin. When you think of the bathhouses, when you think of the prostitution, when you think of the child slavery and the sex practices of the Romans, it was unbridled sin like Babylon was unbridled sin. And so he used that term. Now, I don't know that that's a good argument that it's Rome, but he used that term. Now, now, recently, and this is probably the most popular right now, people like to claim that it is the United States. The merchants of the world get rich off mystery Babylon or off Babylon. And so they think it's the United States. Some say it's New York because that's where the stock market is. And it's called a city. And so if it's a city, and, and I don't, we're going to see a city doesn't necessarily mean that it's only one city. It could be a city that's kind of head over a bunch of cities. Catholicism is still a popular one today. Europe is another one that it's, it's like the European economic community, but maybe something different that comes together that has a coalition of 10. Oh, the one world government that we hear so many people talking about today and that there are people who are pushing forward to have a one world government and shocking the book of Revelation tells us we do have a one world government. Some believe that the one world government itself is Babylon. Um, some believe it's literally the rebuilding of Babylon. Remember when Saddam Hussein took Babylon? I mean, took uh, with the whole thing with Saddam Hussein and we went to war and we learned that Saddam Hussein had been rebuilding actual Babylon itself. Now, the real truth was it was a pathetic rebuilding that if you go and you look at these little bitty bricks and I say little bitty bricks, but you would think of Babylon as big, huge bricks and they were just these tiny little bricks and Saddam Hussein had put his name on some of the bricks because they had found bricks with Nebuchadnezzar's name on it. So he had put bricks there. But still it was intriguing because Babylon's in the Bible and some believe it's going to literally be rebuilt, that that city will be rebuilt and the entire world is going to become rich off of the city of Babylon. It's going to take a lot for Iraq to be at the place where a city could enrich the merchants of the entire world. So I don't know that that is a possibility or not, at least not now. Maybe in the future, things can change quickly. Um, 
there are a lot of people today, this is becoming very common, who believe that the mystery Babylon and Babylon is an Islamic caliphate. A caliphate is a, is a, is the, the, those that are in Islam around the world gather together under one function over, under one government, no matter what country they're in. And they have an Islamic caliphate. And they've been talking about having an Islamic caliphate. There have been Islamic caliphates in the past and there will probably be Islamic caliphates in the future. This is a view of Joel Rosenberg, I believe. I believe it's, uh, I heard Skip Heitzig talking about it and he was talking about an Islamic caliphate. So there's a lot of people that I really respect that are beginning to look at it and believe that the Antichrist will be Islamic, that the, that the Babylon will be the Islamic caliphate and that the part of, of the Islamic caliphate that's going to get the world rich is Saudi Arabia because there's so much wealth in Saudi Arabia and the Saudi Arabia will have an establishment of uh, uh, an economic empire that would be able to get the entire world rich. And all I'll say about that is I don't see it. I, I see some problems with it. But again, I could be wrong, Right. Anybody could be wrong when we talk about these things because things can change and all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is something that we did not expect to happen. Now we are going to tick off some statements and clues to take time in trying to identify the great harlot. I told you that I've kind of wiped my slate clean here. I'm coming to it going, I got an opportunity to study over the next few weeks these two and a half chapters in the book of Revelation. I'm going to take advantage of it. By the end, I want to have a list of what the characteristics of Babylon are. I want to have a complete list of what the Bible says about it. Old Testament, New Testament. I want us to cover them together. And then I want us to be able to look at it to see if we could figure out who fits it. Maybe someone will fit it. Maybe it's still a mystery in the end. And we don't know. Now, let's pick it up in Revelation 17, verse 1. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me saying, saying to me, come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sets on many waters. Now, later on, this is going to be identified as Mystery Babylon. So there's a judgment that's going to happen to this woman. Listen to what Jeremiah 51, 13 says about the original Babylon. O you who dwell by many waters. What did it say about this Babylon? The judgment of the great harlot who sits by many waters. Jeremiah 51, 13, about the, the real Babylon by the Euphrates River. O you who dwells by many waters, abundant in treasures, your end has come, the measure of your covetousness. And so God was judging the, the Babylonians. God gave Israel into the hands of the Babylonians. The Babylonians lived luxurious. The Babylonians lived a, 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 a decadent lifestyle. The Babylonians mistreated the Israelites and God judged them because of that. They could have taken them captive and they could have been just and they could have been good to them, but they weren't. They were brutal towards them while they were there. And the ancient city of Babylon, the one under Nebuchadnezzar, was the greatest city in the Old Testament times. Uh, Tyre was close, but Babylon was the greatest. And when you read other accounts, not just necessarily biblical accounts, you read of the kind of things that were in Babylon 
and they never thought they would be destroyed. So in Jeremiah 51, 6 and 7, it says to the real Babylon, the one under Nebuchadnezzar, flee from the midst of Babylon and everyone save his life. Do not be cut off in iniquity. There's a bunch of iniquity there. Don't be cut off in it. For this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. He shall recompense her. Babylon was a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made the earth drink. The nations drank of her wine. The nations were affected by the wealth of Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar. Therefore, the nations are deranged. Babylon has suddenly fallen and been destroyed. Wail for her, take balm for her pain. Perhaps she may be healed. Now, you remember how Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar was destroyed. It was actually under his son's son, uh, Belshazzar. And there's a whole story behind that where in history they thought Belshazzar didn't exist. Then they found out that Belshazzar did exist. So because it was said that Daniel made up, that Daniel was made up while they were in captivity because uh, uh, Belshazzar was mentioned and he didn't exist. And then they found in Nineveh statements of Belshazzar being the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. And so it ended up being, you know, this is what happens when people deny what the Bible says and then archaeology finds something different. But you remember the handwriting on the wall from Daniel that tonight this kingdom is going to be taken from you. And you remember that the Mede and Persians, they dammed up the Euphrates River and then they walked in under it. It was a moat that protected the city and the, Bab and the Medes and Persians walked in underneath the moat and Babylon was taken in a day, literally in one day. It didn't mean there wasn't a battle that went on longer than that. It meant the battle was over because they were in the city. And so they thought they were, were imperish imperishable. So now he compares in here in Revelation 17, he compares the destruction to the original destruction that happened in a day. We're going we're gonna to read that the kings of the earth stand by because Babylon was destroyed in a day. The future Babylon, just like the ancient Babylon was destroyed in a day. Now, Revelation 17, 15, this is, we're yet to cover this, says, then he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So this harlot that rides the beast affects the entire world. Now, there is also an announcement of the judgment of the harlot. Revelation 16, 19. That's our section next week. Now, the great city was divided into three parts. Oh, this is, this is actually last week. The great city was divided into three parts. The city of the nation fell and great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Even earlier in the book of Revelation, Revelation 14, 8, and another angel followed saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, the great city. So Babylon is a city. Now, could it still be a caliphate and be a city? This is one of the, the problems. I say I have a few problems with it. This is a, a problem for me. Maybe, maybe there's one dominant city that would head up the caliphate, maybe. But it says the, the city um, for the, the great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So Babylon leads people into sin and leads the entire world into sin. And this is why Babylon, Mystery Babylon is seen as a prostitute riding on the back of a beast because a prostitute leads people into sin and this prostitute leads people into sin. 
In the future, in a future study, Revelation 8, 2 and 3 says, And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, a cage for every unclean spirit and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. Now, fornication in the Bible is spiritual. God is, is the one that we are married to. God is the one they should be faithful to. And when you serve another God, that is spiritual adultery, that is fornication. And the merchants of the earth have become rich by the abundance of her luxury. So there is a way in which the, the, the merchants of the earth have to become wealthy. There is a fi financial boom that is gonna happen from right now. We sometimes think that things are just gonna get worse and worse. But there, I don't know that it's the merchants that get rich. So I don't know everybody in the world gets rich. But there is something in the future where Mystery Babylon gets the merchants of the world rich. Revelation 19.2, again in the future, says, for true and righteous are your judgments because he has judged the great harlot. So to me, it seems like Babylon is all one thing. Like it's not the harlot Babylon and then Babylon. It seems like they're both the same. And we'll get that as we make our way through here. Again, right or wrong, who knows? It says, but he has um, judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornications and has avenged on her the blood of the servants she has shed. So now we learn that Mystery Babylon kills Christians, that somehow she is involved in killing those who were saved during the tribulation period. Let me read one more before we move on with our text. This is just kind of getting an overview of it. Revelation 18, 18 and 19 says, and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning. This is the world that sees the smoke of her burning. When what is like the, this uh, saying, what is like this great city? Here we have a city again. They threw dust in their, on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing, saying, alas, alas, the great city in which all who had ships in the sea became rich by her wealth. For in one hour, she is made desolate. So who controls the shipping lanes in the world today? There's a, there's a good number of shipping lanes. And I don't know if you know this or not, but there's an escalation happening right now. The United States is the one that, that controls the shipping lanes of the world today. But there is an escalation with China who is, is building ships at a much faster rate than we are who wants to control the shipping lanes. Because if you control the shipping lanes, you control the, the trade of the world today. And so China wants to control the shipping lanes. And there are those who believe that this is going to bring us into a conflict, whether or not it's all out war with China, we don't know. But they don't know. But there are those predicting that this shipping lane conflict is what is going to cause some kind of a conflict between us and China. Because China is obviously on a road to build more powerful, more ships. Now, the United States has less ships than China, but as I understand it, more powerful ships than China, more efficient ships than China. So right now, it leans towards the United States, but not by much. It's not, they're, they're building ships so much faster. We've gone from 22 um, ship building facilities down to seven for the United States. 
That's where we've gone from. So if we have seven shipbuilding facilities now, how many do you think China has? And I don't even know what that number is. I'm just saying it's a lot more than seven. So if this is a race for who's going to control the shipping paths and the, and the world gets rich by Babylon. Now, verse two, <laughs> where are we at? How long do we got? All right. Verse two, with, the, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication. So this is the destruction because they committed fornication, which is spiritual. And the inhabitants of the earth were made to drink the wine of her fornication. So this could be talking about the command that in order to buy and sell, you have to worship the beast. That would be fornication, spiritual fornication. Now, there's at least one more identifying mark. That's verse three. So he cried, uh, so he carried me away in the spirit to the wilderness. So now there's something about the wilderness with Mystery Babylon. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and 10 horns. So now the focus turns from the woman who's riding the beast to the beast. And we've met this beast before. This beast is the Antichrist in his, and his kingdom. You remember when we were talking about the Antichrist and his kingdom, which, has, which had 10 horns or 10 leaders, rulers, there were 10 and then three, and it ends up being seven, that there's a conflation in the Bible talking sometimes about the Antichrist and sometimes talking about his, his um, empire, which is the beast with seven heads. And says that one of the heads is wounded and then comes back to life. And so you see the conflation between it. So that's some confusion when you're reading it because the way that Revelation is written talks about the Antichrist and his kingdom in the same way. So sometimes it's hard to make a distinction. Is he talking about the Antichrist? He's talking about this kingdom. Now, we get the apparel of the woman as we continue on here. And the woman is, um, the woman in the Bible, uh, women in the Bible are sometimes pictured as spiritual or religious. You have the church as the bride of Christ. We are the bride of, we are, we're the church, we're the bride of Christ. Now, some believe it's, and probably is, everyone has ever been faithful. The bride of Christ is probably Israel as well. Israel, the church, anybody that's been faithful to God is the bride of Christ. That's probably the case. And I'll make that argument with you sometime. We'll make it before we get out of the book of Revelation. When we see the new Jerusalem, that's called the bride of Christ. And everybody that's living there is the bride of Christ in the, in the new Jerusalem. We'll get there. All right. Um, uh, you have Israel was called uh, God's wife. And that she had committed harlotry against him. And that's why God gave her up to Babylon. So women in the Bible are a picture of a religious appearance. And so it's suggested that this woman is religious. And, and here we come back to the Catholic Church. And I want to just take a few minutes on this. I'm going to give you more time on this topic, but I want to talk about it now. So in, in 1851, there was a pamphlet written called the, Babel, the Two Babylons. And then a subtitle, with how the pontiff in the Catholic Church is the great harlot, something, something along those lines. It turned into a book a little bit later on. The guy who wrote it was a, a, a Presbyterian pastor as some kind of a something Scottish free church, but it was Presbyterian. 
Um, he was a journalist and he was a teacher and he wrote Mystery Babylon. And maybe you've heard it quoted. If you've talked to any Jehovah Witness, they have used Alexander um, Hislop's book, The Two Babylons, telling you that Jesus was crucified on a post and not a cross, Alexander Hislop. Telling you that Christmas is pagan, Alexander Hislop. Telling you that Easter is pagan, Alexander Hislop. He went back to, to Nimrod, who is the beginning of Babylon, that's what it said, and said that he was married to Semiramis, and Semiramis and, and Nimrod had a son named Tammuz. How many of you guys have heard this before? Just out of curiosity. All right. So, and, and that out of, and they, just, they established a pagan religion. And then out of that pagan religion came every other religion in the world. So all the religions are paganistic. Whether they were Greek or whether they were Roman or whatever they were. And they all tied back to Nimrod, Semiramis, and Tammuz. Now here's the problem. It was fictional. It was made up by Alexander Hislop. I have no doubt that his thinking, the thinking during his day was that the Catholic Church was the beast, was the, was the harlot, the one that rides the beast. And I have no doubt that he thought he was making real connections. But it is not a scholarly work at all. There's a man named Ralph Woodrow who wrote a book based on Hislop's book, The Two Babylons, and his became a bestseller. But he heard... He, he was friends with a teacher who heard the Bible answer man. And I don't know, I tried to look, I tried to look this up, whether it was Hank Hanegraaff or who, Martin, Walter Martin, thank you. Walter Martin or Hank Hanegraaff. I don't know which one it was, but they criticized Hislop's book. And so the teacher heard Woodrow, who knew Woodrow, called him up and said, you better do some checking and see whether or not what you've written is true because I heard that it's bad scholarship. And so he went back and checked everything he could check, every encyclopedia, everything he could find. I'm taking it that this is back in the 60s and 70s. He checked everything he could find and he could not find one bit of evidence in any encyclopedia, in anything about Nimrod and Semiramis. In fact, he found out that Nimrod and Semiramis lived in different times. So it was really miraculous that they had a child. Because Nimrod lived hundreds of years of, and, and, might not even, and Semiramis might not even have been a real person. She, she could have been fake. They weren't even a real person. And Tammuz was not their child. And, and the, the Madonnas are not Semiramis and Tammuz. That comes from Hislop's book. And I just bring all of this up to say, and, and I've got a short form video that's going to be coming out on it. I cut it today a hot topic that's coming out on it and we'll have all this information. I actually quote Woodrow in it and talk about it all because, and I'm really, it breaks my heart. And with all respect to Pastor Chuck Smith, who found a Calvary Chapel, he used to quote the two Babylons quite a bit and, and made connections about the paganism in, in Christmas. And Christmas is not, is not Saturnalia. Easter is not Ishtar. There's no connection because Easter sounds like Ishtar doesn't make it Easter. Easter is, was a word that was brought by Germans speaking of the resurrection. They used a word, and I can't say the word in German, it's a longer word that was shortened down to Easter. And eggs and bunnies, there's no evidence by any scholar or any writer that eggs and bunnies were used to worship Ishtar. Eggs and bunnies 
are around Easter because birds lay eggs in the spring and bunnies are running everywhere in the spring. And so it became connected with Easter. There's no evidence of any of the other stuff. And so the next time someone says to you, Christmas is pagan or Easter is pagan or, you know, or you're talking to Jehovah's Witness who says that, the answer to them is, show me your sources. Because Woodrow went back and couldn't find one source. Not for the pagan trinities that he pointed out, that his thought pointed out, not for paganism in any of the holidays. He couldn't find any sources for them at all. So, and scholars today reject it. Go to Wikipedia, look up the two Babylons. It'll tell you what it is. And at the bottom of the first paragraph, it says scholars reject the work of, and price says most, most scholars reject the work of Alexander Hislop. It's time we turn away from it. I, I sadly went to a lot of uh, Calvary Chapel studies today and kind of fast forwarded through to see if they would be quoting Hislop. And I was really glad to find some didn't, but I was really bummed out to find that a lot did. They just started quoting Nimrod was married to Semiramis. Semiramis had Tammuz. That's the beginning of Babylon. And this is what this is. And probably the Catholic Church. Look, there's enough things the Catholic Church is doing wrong without us slandering them about something they're not doing. There, there's enough things for us to say, look, praying to saints is problematic. Praying to Mary is problematic. I realize you venerate Mary and don't worship Mary, but praying to her is still problematic. Now, as I said, brothers and sisters in Christ, but let's not slander them. And I literally lost sleep over this last night because I, I spent so much time looking it up yesterday and I have heard so many people preach it. I heard Chuck Missler talk about it, if you know who he is. I heard David Hawking talk about it, if you know who he is. These are guys that have since gone to be with the Lord, but men I respect tremendously when it comes to the word of God, but that they just taught something because it was taught. And as I said, all due respect to Pastor Chuck, but Pastor Chuck did it too. And, and we live in a new age. We live in an information age when we can find out whether or not the things we're teaching are true and we should stick with it. I got some more stuff I got to get through. I gave you more there than I wanted to, but we're going to talk more about it. And I do have that short form. It'll be a 10 minute video on why you have to abandon the two Babylons by, by uh, Alexander Hislop. So women in the Bible, this is how a godly woman is supposed to be dressed. Okay. First uh, Timothy two, nine in like manner also that a woman adorns themselves in modest apparel with propriety, moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing. That's interesting. Um, braided hair, there may be a kind of a connection with prostitution in their day. First Peter, now this is the same culture. First Peter says, do not let your adornment be merely outward. So Paul seems to be stricter on what he's saying than what Peter does. Don't let your adornment be merely outward, the arranging of the hair, the wearing of gold, the putting on a fine apparel, but rather be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Now, how is this woman that rides the beast dressed? The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet. Now, those are royal colors. So somehow there's royalty connected to it. That gives maybe some credence to the Saudi Arabia argument 
which has a, you know, has a king, a prince there, and kings, right? Um, and then it says, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. We already know she's wealthy. We already know that this mystery of Babylon is wealthy. And that's a sign of, of wealth. Uh, having her, uh, in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. So this is a golden, golden cup by which she would have people drink, by which she was seducing people with the golden cup. Now, it says it's full of abominations, this golden cup. Things the Bible talks about as an abomination. And there is a long list of them. But we could say that the things that are an abomination are going to be happening in the last days. You with me on that one? So the, the, the mystery, the woman who rides the beast has a cup full of the abominations of fornication. Fornication is worshiping someone else. Abominations are things that are abominable to God. And so we've got to ask ourselves, how close are we to this today? And what kind of things, abominations are there in the Bible that could be happening today that could be a part of what's being said here? So let me give you a few things that I wrote down that the Bible says are abominations. Proverbs 11.1, 1, a false balance. This is stealing from people. Um, this is ripping people off. Never have scams been greater in the history of the world. I get texts which tell me someone, you know, got into your account, used the link below to, to, to change your, your password. Oh, sure. Duh. <laughs> right? We get so many of them now, we ignore them. The first one I ever got was from Apple. Somebody got your Apple ID. You better change your password now. Use the link below. And it looked like, it looked like an Apple thing until you looked at the, the actual address and it was J64534746 that's what the email address that it came from uh, and it wasn't that exact address I'm saying <laughs> all right so a false balance a perverse heart is an abomination to the Lord a heart that is perverse perversion is is when you take the normal use of something and you now use it for something other than what it was made for I have a giant screwdriver in my toolbox and I use it as a crowbar. That is a perversion of that screwdriver. And every time I use it, I get scared because it starts to bend and I'm like thinking this thing's going to snap and I'm going to be in teaching next week with a gash in my face. Are perversions around today? Are there a lot of perversions taking place today? Perversions are an abomination to God. Everyone who has a proud heart is an abomination to God. Is pride celebrated today? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm a nuanced kind of a guy. I really am. I, I realize that there are times when, 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 when my children would do some kind of a sport or play, a, my, my one son played the violin and I would go, I'm really proud of you. I'm nuanced enough to know that pride isn't always bad, right? And we, we got to be nuanced. And I think that a lot of times Christians don't, can't, can't do nuance. We just lose it. And I understand that. But I think the celebration of Pride Month is not the kind of, that kind of pride. I don't think it's the kind of pride where a dad says, I'm so proud of you. I think it's a different kind of pride. I think it's a, a, abomination kind of pride. Leviticus 8, 22. 
lying with a man as one lies with a woman is an abomination to God. The harlot's cup is full of abomination. By the way, both in Rome and in Babylon, homosexuality was prevalent. Deuteronomy 20, uh, 12, 31. The, the way pagan nations worship their gods. So there's all this move to try to get people to worship, you know, the same God. Second Chronicles 28, 3, Jeremiah 32, 5, Second Kings 16, 18. Sacrificing your sons and daughters in fire is an abomination to God. All 50 states in the United States, if you kill a pregnant woman, you will get brought up on two charges of homicide, of murder. You can only get brought up on a charge of murder by killing a human. So all 50 states in the United States agree that a child in the womb is a human. Except if the mother doesn't want that child anymore. For whatever reason. Except. And we say, well, there needs to be the case of, of incest and rape. So let's just carry that through. If you have a child that is a product of incest, can you kill them? Let's just say you got a one-year-old, product of incest. Can you kill him? Can the mother kill him? I don't want that child. He's a product of incest. What about a product of rape? Got a one-year-old baby. Can you kill him? I met a man last year who was a product of rape. His grandmother raised him. He said, I'm sure glad people didn't take my life. In the ancient world, they worshiped on high places and they sacrificed their children to Molech, who I'm told is the God of pleasure. Right now, I'm, I'm very careful and I'm ready to go, go look up everything, double check everything. But they sacrificed their children for sure. And they have discovered the spots where they buried the babies around where they sacrificed their children and passed them through fire. Do you think they were sacrificing wanted children? In Roman baths, outside of the Roman baths are burials for babies. Why? Because the prostitutes got pregnant and they didn't want the babies. Our world has been murdering babies for a long time. And our world is still murdering babies. Humans that the, are, are every, every, all 50 states recognize as a human. Because if you leave here and get in a car wreck and it's your fault and you kill a, a woman who's pregnant, you're gonna be brought up on two charges of manslaughter. Why is it manslaughter? And I'm kind of surprised that no one's ever tried in court to fight that on that basis. You gotta reduce that to one charge because can't you take their lives here? Deuteronomy 22.5 says that an abomination is wearing the clothing of, an, of the opposite sex. That's an abomination to God. Now, this causes me some, some difficulty with believing that it could be a, a caliphate. I really respect Joel Rosenberg. I really respect Skip Heitzig. And when they start leaning that way, but in Saudi Arabia, women don't have rights. And they kill homosexuals. So I don't know how Saudi, I don't know how Saudi Arabia fits into this. I really don't. Maybe 
And finally, 1 Kings 2, 26, following idols is an abomination to God. So praying to anything that may be an idol. So her cup of this woman who rides the beast is full of abominations and fornication. I'm beginning to wonder, this is just a thought. I'm thinking out loud now because we're going to click off all these boxes, right? I'm beginning to wonder if the woman riding the beast isn't culture, isn't the culture of the Antichrist and isn't the culture that we have in front of us today. If that isn't what's happening and that people will get rich off of our culture, the merchants of the world will get rich and the trade routes feed our culture. And the things that are accepted in culture today are the very things that are an abomination to God. The very things we're fighting in our culture today are an abomination to God. Now, it's just a thought. We'll throw it out there with all the other ones. I'm not saying it's true. All right. So verse six, I saw the woman. Oh, my God, I'm so late. I saw, oh, my. Oh, my. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. So the woman is involved in killing Christians. Could that be culture? I'm thinking out loud. I'm just getting this right here now. I don't, could that be culture? And when I saw her, I marveled in amazement. Marveled that it could even be. John looked and is like, how could this be? I wonder if John would look at our culture and marvel in amazement. Look at what they're doing. Maybe, maybe not because it's a lot like Rome. Now, let me give you 10 things that I find in this verse, in this passage about the mystery of Babylon. I told you I'm clicking off the list. I'm going to go fast. I got to, okay? I got to go fast. So um, number one, it's a dwelling place of demons. Number two, mystery Babylon, the kings of the earth commit fornication with her. Number three, the merchants of the earth become rich through the abundance of her luxury. Number four, the corrupt, uh, the corrupt, who corrupts the earth with her fornication. Number five, and he has avenged on her his servants who shed her blood. So she killed Christians. Number six, who sets on many waters, which are peoples. Number seven, the inhabitants of the earth were made to drink of the wine of her fornication. Number eight, he was carried into the wilderness. So there's a wilderness connection. Number nine, I saw the woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of names of blasphemy and on her head were 10 horns. So she's connected to the beast and the beast's kingdom. And number 10, alas, alas, the great city in which all who had ships of the sea became rich on her wealth. And I'm going to add one more. That's number 11. She had in her cup the abominations. So the abominations, which we covered what they are. Now I'm very late. So I'm not going to do an altar call. I'm not going to do a blessing. I'm not going to do a prayer for you as I normally do. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to jump in my car and get over to the other side <laughs> where I will do all of those things for that campus. <laughs> uh, because I love them more, I love you all the same, all right? I just got to get out of here. So coming up, Johnny, come on up. I'm going to pray. And uh, stand with me, would you? I'm going to pray. Put the hands in Johnny. Johnny can do anything he feels led to do, all right? How's that for freedom, Johnny? Anything you feel led to do. Wow. When are you going to get that again? <laughs> Father, thank you that we're able to take time to look at this harlot who rides the beast, to consider honestly. And Lord, forgive us, the church, when we accept things because they're what we want to hear. Forgive us, the Protestant church, for slandering the Catholic church over the last four, 150 years 
with things that aren't true. Lord, we know there are things that are problematic, but forgive us for slander and not checking it out. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us, that we would see what's in your word clearly. Thank you for the information age that we live in when we can really check things out and find out whether or not the things that we are teaching are true. And we pray that over our next few weeks as we study Babylon, that you would help us to walk away with a clear understanding as to who this Babylon is. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.